Welcome to Take Care. I'm your host, Syra Trejo. I'm a passionate advocate for mental and emotional health and fascinated by the power of people's stories. This podcast dives into stories across the spectrum of mental and emotional health. My goal here is to talk to experts and non-experts alike to hear the latest in the field and the stories of struggle and ultimately healing. Because when we have open conversations, the stigma changes. I hope that this podcast can help you. If you enjoy it, please remember to subscribe. Episodes drop every Monday. On this episode of Take Care. I wanted a safe space. Mindfulness was the tool, but the purpose of it was a safe space for student athletes. Feel like they could come in there, say whatever they want, be themselves, not worry about being judged for closing their eyes and breathing. Back in 2017, Lucas Churchill, a member of the men's soccer team at UC Berkeley, faced a tumultuous freshman year that led him to some of his darkest days as he underwent a surge of mental health struggles. He was able to embark on the road to healing after discovering the power of mindfulness and meditation. Knowing firsthand how much it helped him, he created Cal Athlete-led Mindfulness, also known as Calm, and shared it with a large body of student-athletes at Berkeley. Now, as he enters his senior year, amidst a global pandemic that is forcing all of us to change our plans day to day, he's leveraging his mindfulness training to help himself and his fellow teammates. Here's his story. Thanks, Lucas, for for joining me on the podcast. It's just really interesting to me how we got connected through Isabel Potter. And uh, for people who are listening, Isabel Potter is a starting setter at the Cal women's volleyball team. And her and I have been working together this summer. And when I told her about my project, uh, she said, you should talk to Lucas. He has a lot to say about uh, his journey with mindfulness and meditation. And so that's how we're here. Thanks to, to Isabel Potter for setting this up. Yeah. Too. She's a, been one of my good friends since I uh, I came to Cal. So she's always been by my side. I'm glad she connected us. Yeah. No, this is great. So let's just dive in. Biggest question I had is how you fell into uh, mindfulness and meditation and how you made it practice in your life. Yeah. So I um, I started kind of dabbling in, in meditation, mindfulness, my like senior year in high school, but it wasn't, I didn't develop a a like routine practice um just kind of was learning more about it and uh i was enjoying my senior year of high school so i wasn't really that concerned with it and then i came to cal my freshman year and i had a lot of struggles my freshman year here was a tough transition for me transitions are always difficult and they're difficult for a lot of people but i didn't really have a lot of tools here that could help me i didn't have the friends the support system obviously didn't have my parents. I my therapist was back home in Sacramento, so I was kind of left out in the open, so to say. So I I dealt with a lot of stuff my freshman year, and I ended up finding um, meditation through a place called the Nangma Institute. It's a, sort of a Buddhist school right near where my dorm was in in Berkeley. I started going there three four days a week, sitting for thirty minutes each time. Wow. And it was a tough way to learn, but maybe the hardest way to learn, but it was well worth it. Yeah. So uh, you said it was close to your dorm room, this institute. Did you just kind of walk in one day or did you do a little research before? Yeah, I just kind of, I saw it every day and it really didn't click with me. And then I finally, you know, things were getting bad for me in terms of my mental health. And I, I was like, okay, it's time to go. 
find something new and uh i saw a little actually an ad for a coffee shop and i was like oh this is the place right near right near my dorm and it said they have they had walk-in meditations every night at like seven o'clock so i just started going yeah what was it like when you went in that first time and you just sat down for 30 minutes was it really difficult to meditate yeah it was uh it was extremely difficult you know obviously my thoughts were kind of running wild just as most people uh deal with when they first start meditating but i also noticed my my body that's what I, what i noticed a lot is how much pain i was I was in just sitting there. And then once uh, I started to sort of get used to the feeling of sitting in a meditative posture, then I started to notice my thoughts and what what was really weighing down on me. And so I got to sort of struggle with that. And really, yeah, like, really, it was an introspective experience for sure. And yeah, 30 minutes is, is a long time. I still don't, I don't do 30 minutes as much anymore as I I used to back then. (laughs) Yeah, it is a long time for a lot of us. We've, I myself included, I struggle a lot with mindfulness practices because I don't want to sit still for the amount of time that the meditation goes on. Um, And so for a lot Mm -hmm. of us, it's hard. It's hard to just be with what is. And you mentioned something interesting in that you felt it physically, right, in your body. And as an athlete, in a high-performing athlete, you know, playing D1 soccer at Cal, how was it different for you? Because I'm sure you were in tune with your, with your body in different ways when you were playing soccer, even before you were at Cal, when you were growing up um, in Sacramento. Yeah, I've always been very in tune with my body. I've had a lot of, I wouldn't say I've been like, yeah, I'm very healthy and I take pride in that. Like I, I try to eat clean and my, I feel pretty good most of the time, but I do have a lot of pain as an athlete and just as a, as a person. I've had lots of ankle injuries. I had surgery on my ankles. I've had, I've had bad hip problems, tightness, hamstring tightness, lower back tightness, all these things that, you, you know, come up when you're sitting there for 30 minutes. So that's just what yeah, I'm very comfortable connected with my body and I, I have to pay attention to it. That's part of what being an athlete is. And so when I first started meditating, that's what that's what came up first, which was very interesting for me. And yeah, I didn't really know that the, the physical part of it would be, become such a big component. And that's one of the reasons I also started getting into yoga because it was a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just take me back. So you grew up in Sacramento You've been playing soccer. What other things were kind of leading you to eventually playing at Cal? Because for a lot of kids and a lot of um, young people, playing at a D1 school in the sport that they've been playing, that's a very exciting thing and very cool. And from the outside, seems very almost celebrity-like. Like, wow, this is so unattainable sometimes, but I want to get there. What was it like for you on your journey to becoming a student athlete? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer my entire life. Since I was about four years old, I started playing. My mom actually played in college at Brown, and my dad played at a small school called Westland. So I grew up in a pretty athletic family, um, and I was always into sports, and I always dreamed of becoming a professional athlete. I just didn't know what sport I wanted to do it in. So I started to you know, really stick to soccer and noticed that I had a lot of talent around middle school. I got into high school and my my the school I went to, soccer was pretty big sport. 
and I was the only sophomore on my varsity team, which was a big deal. So I already had that sort of celebrity sort of feel in high school, um, which was really weird. <laughs> and then then kind of starting around my sophomore, junior year, I was getting noticed at tournaments, club tournaments, high school games, and starting to get offers from colleges come in and from schools all over the country. And, uh, and I was also a pretty good student in high school. And so I was deciding between some tough schools, Cal, Harvard, Georgetown, going into my freshman year. And I, I ended up choosing Cal because I love the culture here. I thought it fit me really well. The program is is great. And yeah, I don't know. It just kind of it happened my junior year. And I don't it was uh, it's been a blessing. And when you were offered the place uh, on the men's soccer team and you're going to Cal, what was that like? Was it like, finally, I've made it, you know, I've been working so hard. Um, here we go. Not really. It was more so it, it felt like it just sort of begun. I felt like I was always ready to take the next step and play college soccer. So when it, it happened, yeah, I was thrilled, but it, it was more so, okay, what what's next for me? I think I was, yeah, and I, it does come with a level of prestige and definitely when you're at home and your, your hometown buddies are, you know, oh, like, oh, you go to Cal, you play soccer at Cal. Once you get here, you're just another, everyone here is, has some special talent, mm -hmm. you know, and every, some, someone has, everyone here has something that sets them apart and makes them unique. So I thought that was really cool once I came here. So I, I just, once I committed, I, I realized I just needed to keep working harder and the level would just pick up and it has. With that kind of realizing everyone has something to offer on this campus, everyone can say these people are outstanding. Was there a flip side to that that was hard to kind of uh, find yourself in this large, you know, university and finding your place there? Absolutely. That's a really, it's a big problem when you come into Cal because it's a huge school, like 30,000 kids. And everyone is good at something, whether it's academics or sports or music or acting or they're an activist or whatever it may be. You know, when you, you go around, you say you're a soccer player here. It's like, oh, that's really cool. But people have met met Nobel laureate professors. And, you know, there's there's a lot of prestige on this campus. And it's hard when you don't have a, a group of friends, a support group to help you through it. So when I first came being on the soccer team was a huge advantage because I had this group of people who were, you know, supporting me, who showed me the school, and that helped a lot. But no matter what, when you come in your freshman year, it's going to be difficult. You're going to be finding your footing. And, uh, and yeah, that was especially hard for me. For some people, it's a little bit easier, but I had a definitely a more difficult time getting adjusted to it. And I would say that's kind of leads into why meditation really helped me. What was the most difficult part? Was it the balance of being a full-time student athlete and with academics and moving to a new place? Was it just feeling, you know, distant from your family and your support system back home? Was it a combo of things? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It, it was definitely a combination of things. And I was, I was always ready. I felt like for the athlete, the student athlete experience, I'm pretty good at managing my time. It's just come naturally to me. And I was, you know, it's challenging being a student and an athlete, obviously the, the time that it demands is it's very rigorous, but I, I felt like I could do it and I have been doing it. My, the most difficult part with, for me was I had lived in the same house my whole life until I went to college. So it was my first time moving to a new place with new people. I uh, had a girlfriend 
from high school. And so then we were dealing with that transition my freshman year. And I was redshirting because I was coming off ankle surgery. So I wasn't able to play. And that was really hard for me because mm-hmm. that's, you know, I just knew being the best player. That's kind of what I knew growing up. And then I come here and I'm not and I'm not even playing. So that was really tough. And I lived in a dorm that wasn't the greatest. It wasn't great for making friends. So I was disconnected. I was disconnected to my family. And yeah, I was just, I think I was in such a negative mind state my freshman year. I just felt like everything was going wrong. And in some ways, a lot of things were going wrong. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to sort of step back and like appreciate the things Berkeley had to offer me. How long do you think that that took you as you went through your freshman year? Well, it took me, it, it, it took a while. My whole first semester was sort of a mess. Yeah, I was red sh- shirted. So I went through the season just kind of watching everyone play. School was difficult. I did well. But then the second semester of my freshman year, this is the spring of 2018, things got bad and I actually tried to transfer from Cal. Mm-hmm. And I tried to transfer back east to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wanted I wanted like a whole new experience. I mm-hmm. felt like, oh, this wasn't the right one for me. Yeah. I chose wrong. My family's from the East Coast. So I wanted to go check out that side of the country. And yeah, I just felt like things were going right for me. So I thought maybe packing up and leaving would help. That ended up all falling through in a disaster I was supposed to go. I asked my release from Cal. They mm-hmm. actually dropped me from the, the roster. They dropped my scholarship, all of that. Mm-hmm. I told my my roommates who I'm now roommates with, but back then they were my friends my freshman year and I told them that I was leaving. And so I was getting ready to go. And I, all this stuff I heard from Harvard was that I was, you know, they wanted me and I was coming. They were going to get me in. Yeah. And after getting my release and everything, they ended up calling me said I was a class short and that they couldn't accept me for that year. Oh my gosh. So I had to go back and yeah, it, it, everything felt like the world, that was my breaking point. The world kind of came crashing down. I was already having such a difficult time here and I was like, oh my God, I have to stay. I didn't really want to stay uh-huh. and I lost my scholarship. I lost my spot on the team. My girlfriend and I actually broke up because I was going to Harvard and so everything sort of fell apart. Oh my God, Lucas, I'm just like, oh, I feel <laughs> that. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is so difficult. No, no, no. Oh it's a, it's it's a it was a blessing in disguise. I had mm. no idea. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was definitely very traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. And that was towards the tail end of that that spring semester of freshman year. Yeah, that was the the tail end of my spring semester freshman year, and and luckily my coach was extremely generous and said he would do anything he could to get me back on the team. Someone ended up quitting that summer, which allowed a roster spot to open up. Wow. So I was able to get back on the team. My roommates were generous enough to allow me to room with one of them in a tiny little single. And so I had a place to live. So luckily I had the people in my life I didn't know were there to help me so much and they they helped me through it. Um but yeah, no, it, my my life definitely changed at like blink of an eye and I didn't I didn't know it. So, yeah. And did you go home that summer after that first year? Or did you stay um, in Berkeley? I went home and that was a very difficult summer also for me. You know, I knew I was staying at Cal and I had sort of come to terms that I was staying there. I didn't have a good freshman year by any means. Things started to get a little bit better towards the end just because I think I'd accepted it a little bit more Mm -hmm. um but it was a tough it was a tough summer 
there was a lot of partying, a lot of drugs, not a lot of soccer, which usually, which is kind of unusual for me. Mm-hmm. Usually I spent my summers playing soccer, but this summer was a lot more drugs and party trying to numb. I think what I had gone through my freshman year. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so difficult. And, you know, take me, when did you walk into that meditation center where you kind of were able to, to step out of what was going on inside? That was right around this time, right around the whole Harvard explosion and everything that happened. I, I finally walked in to the, to the Ningma Institute and, uh, and one of the other reasons I, I checked out was my dad actually sent me a book that he had read called 10% Happier. Have you heard of it? Yeah, by Dan Harris. Yeah. By Dan Harris. And that was the first book I really read on meditation. And after I read it, I was like, okay, this is something I, I need to check out because it, sound, it, it sounded right up my alley. And uh, he was a great author. He spoke to like the regular average person who has no idea what meditation is mm-hmm. and is pretty skeptical about it. So when I read that and I went to the Ningma Institute, I'm like, okay, this is something that I kind of have. There's a little momentum here. Yeah. So yeah, that that whole uh, the whole crisis I think provoked me to going in and to the Ningma Institute and giving it a shot. So you find that um, after this very difficult, intensely traumatic thing happened to you, just a slew of things happened, and you go home for the summer. You do summer. You come back to Cal that that fall for sophomore year correct and Mm -hmm. where do you find yourself what's your mindset coming back in yeah my mindset was still pretty negative it was I didn't like how my freshman year I didn't really want to go back for my sophomore year I knew it was going to be different we had moved into a place off campus which I, I was excited about but it was not the greatest place it was small so it was still like it still felt like I was transitioning but then once once sophomore year started to kick off, I think it was a blast. I mean, mm. soccer was going great. I was starting to play. Things were starting to settle down for me. I was starting to make new friends. I was becoming really close with my roommates here. I got to fully like experience the season, went on trips, and you know, I was just having a good time being in college. I was still dealing with a, a lot of stuff and still that leftover kind of trim trauma from from the spring mm-hmm. um and i've always dealt with depression i've been i've been dealing with it since my junior year in high school mm-hmm. and been on medication since then so mm-hmm. and it's not something that i don't deal with anymore i still do but it was mm-hmm. it was definitely starting to i felt more in control that that first semester of my sophomore year yeah, and that's a really important point that you bring up. Um, that a lot of us who who have suffered from from depression, anxiety, other conditions, issues, it doesn't just go away in the blink of an eye, right? Things do get better, which is the most. I used to hate hearing that when I was in the thick of things. People were like things get better. I'm like, you don't get it. You don't yeah, get it. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. like that. I am this in this tunnel of darkness, um, but things do get better. And at the same time, we keep working to become more kind of stable, to more um, be able to manage the ups and downs. My therapist talks a lot about how I would face these like peaks and valleys of like, I feel so great. And then when I felt low, oh my God, I feel so low. I went like, this is awful, but now it's a little, it's a little bumpy, but it moves on. Yeah. It smooths out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, there's days, especially when you're in the thick of it, and it feels like you can't even look past the clouds. You know, it feels like it's only clouds. There's no blue sky anywhere above yeah. you. And 
and yeah, if, it feels like you're completely trapped. And then that's when, if you have those, you know, negative thoughts that just spiral into a snowball, yeah. that's what I found so harmful for me. And it's very easy for people who are dealing with depression, anxiety, and other mental health disorders that those those thoughts can turn into like very overwhelming, deep va- valleys, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that's the difficult part of it. And so you're back on campus, you're figuring things out, soccer's going you know, well, like you said, you are playing, you're back in your element, you're finding your flow, and you're still taking care of yourself, um, which is, you know, so important. Where did meditation kind of take next level for you? It was that fall of my sophomore year, I was also having a lot of pain in my body from like playing again, playing soccer again. And so I started to go to this yoga studio called Yoga to the People. It's donation based. And I just kind of that was the first time I would really started doing yoga. Mm hmm. And so I got hooked on it and I was going almost every day. So that sort of became my meditation, my new form of meditation. Mm-hmm. I didn't really go to the Ningma Institute as much, but I was very, yoga was a meditative experience for me more so than a physical one. Mm-hmm. It was both. But so I was, I was like, this is helping me every single day. It was something I looked forward to, calm my, my mind. I was doing it alone. I was meditating when I got back every night. So it was ramping up for me and I was like starting to notice just the benefits of it for myself, both on the field, in the classroom and just, yeah, personally. And I had this idea the end of my sophomore year. I was like, man, uh, people really need another resource. Like student athletes really need another resource. And there wasn't, there's never been a lot of mental health resources for student athletes not here and not most colleges. And so I felt after going through a traumatic experience where I dealt with suicidal thoughts and I felt like I had no one here to help me, I yeah. felt like it was it was an immediate calling for me mm. um, to try to create something that could help other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those, those thoughts that take you to very dark places are are so difficult. And I totally understand that feeling too, you know, and, and that feeling of like having to like do something about it um, for you, right? The uh, introducing mindfulness and meditation to your fellow student athletes. Uh, for me, it's this podcast, you know? Yeah. And so how did that kind of go about with you um, saying like, I'm going to do this on campus? What was it like for you uh, doing that process? Yeah. So I, uh, I went to the head of athlete wellness here, um, who's a great guy. And I kind of told him my experience, what sort of what, like what I'm telling you right now. And I told him specifically, there was a, a day my freshman year or a night, I guess, where I was on the brink and very suicidal. And my roommate, uh, who I still live with now came in and saw me and he called my trainer and my trainer called me, who was very nice. And he's like, coming in the morning, first thing, you know, they were very supportive. But I came in and they sort of did a rundown, you know, screen screening, so to say, and uh, sent me to urgent care, like mental health urgent care Mm -hmm. at the health center here. And basically, they just kind of made sure I wasn't going to kill myself Mm -hmm. and then gave me some therapist phone numbers and were like, good luck. And no follow up. No follow up. That was it. And I just thought it was crazy. Uh, Luckily, I had my friends and I had discovered meditation shortly after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I hadn't, yeah, I don't know what would have happened. And a lot of people who might have been in a worse position if they were in my shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I told the director of athlete wellness this story. And I told him that I wanted to come up with something. For me, it was 
mindfulness that really helped me. So we did a lot of brainstorming. It took a while and we didn't really have a name for it. It was just like mindfulness. I think it was mindfulness for mental health was the first name. Mm -hmm. And it was just, uh, it was just 15 minutes or 30 minutes a week. And I started doing the flyers, which I have, I'm terrible at and had no experience (laughs) like promoting, like I've never promoted myself like that before. Yeah. And, and something I believed in, I was, you know, I've never been passionate about other than soccer um something like that so I was like throwing myself into this and it was cool for me because I was definitely taking a leap of faith there was a lot of people who just thought it was really stupid and uh we we got it running I guess that was my spring of my sophomore year was the first semester Mm -hmm. and at first it was just my teammates which I'm very grateful for them coming out never would have existed without them and then some other friends started coming out and then you know, you'd have a couple of random people come out. Isabel Potter came out mm-hmm. and it started to grow a little bit. People started to know about it. And I got immediately, I got great feedback. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was the beginning. Yeah. And I was reading back on your Facebook page back when you first posted about it. Um, you're saying that it was 30 minute sessions, about 10 to 15 minutes of it, meditation and the rest discussion. What surprised mm-hmm. you the most during the uh, discussion portion of it? I would say... The most surprising thing was how people used their experiences in Calm. That's the name of the group. Mm -hmm. And how they connected that to their experiences as student athletes. A lot of times it's people saying like, yeah, it's a really difficult time meditating today. A lot of thoughts or I was really calm today. It was great. Um, That's the most common thing I hear. But it's really interesting hearing like, yeah, I was thinking about my practice today and how I got really angry and I was sort of able to meditate on it and yeah, I'm going to try to just take a couple deep breaths next time that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, there's people who have cried and, you know, it just spilled their, their thoughts and their feelings and what they're going through. And you have kind of heard it all, which is, it's really great. Cause that's what half of it was just, I wanted a safe space. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness was the tool, but the purpose of it was a safe space for student athletes feel like they could come in there say whatever they want, be themselves, not worry about being judged for closing their eyes and breathing. Yeah. Uh, that was the purpose of it. Yeah. And in- initially, did it surprise you how many of your fellow student athletes were also facing some difficult things? No, mm-hmm. it didn't really surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know so many people deal with it and don't talk about it. And and I also completely understand that because there's been lots of times when I didn't want to talk about it either. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people deal with stuff and there's a lot of people who have never, you know, attended a calm session who I'm sure it would help them immensely. And I'm sure they would, it would help them to get off their chest, but uh, the culture that we live in, it's, you know, there's a stigma around mental health and it's, it's not as talked about as it should be. Yeah, definitely. And so let's fast forward to um, just, you know, this year, school's been cut short. <laughs> everything is much different. You know, I'm assuming practices have been cut too. Um, I know you guys were working through Zoom, right? Yeah. We actually just got news today that our season's been canceled for the Mm. fall. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Which was definitely tough news. We're entering our senior year. Yeah. And so it's really sad, but also hopefully there'll be one in the spring. You know, it's better to have one in the spring and that's fully, you know, regular season. Hopefully it will be safe by then. But yeah, so we, we've been cut short, school's all online. We've been doing Zoom meetings every week. And uh, 
I, I've been leading some meditations in those Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I was leading for them before COVID happened. We were practicing and every Wednesday I would lead meditation for my team before practice. We'd all meditate together. Wow. So I did that a little bit on Zoom. Zoom's a little bit hard to lead a meditation. I don't feel fully comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the same as doing it in person, I think. But uh, but yeah, it, that we're staying connected. Oh, that's so wonderful to have that support of teammates. And I'm sure people are back home and some of you guys are still in Berkeley and things. And um, yeah, I'm sorry about the season. It's just, you know, those things, uh, those things are hard. And we also have to allow ourselves to grieve, you know, the loss of of seasons and things that we we plan for. And so, yeah, definitely sending a lot of strength to to you guys um, as you navigate that. And I, I love that you know, you were able to bring it on with your, with your teammates, your coaches were receptive to, to the mindfulness and meditation. Uh, what was that like, uh, bringing it to them? It was fun. Um, and definitely a little, yeah, it was, I was definitely stepping out of my comfort zone. You know, these are, we're getting ready to practice and you got a bunch of athletes, guys Mm -hmm. too, who are a little less receptive to this type of stuff than girls might be. So a lot of them were like, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing this before practice? And I was like, you just go into it with mm-hmm. an open mind. You know, it might help you, maybe it won't, but just, just give it a shot. And after the first couple of times we did it, I, one, our practices got really intense, wow. like very, everyone was very locked mm-hmm. in and our, our coaches noticed it and we're like, man, like so-and-so plays so well after we do yeah. meditation. Like, He's just like ready to go. Some guys are like a little sleepy when we start, but as things get picked up, yeah, it's it's really good. So I think the guys liked it mm-hmm. overall, and it's been become a part of our routine. We're gonna do it this season, uh, like before games and and stuff. It, it's almost just become a part of our culture. Wow, Lucas, that's amazing. That's very yeah. cool that you're able to to bring it with your teammates and that people have been receptive to it. That's really, really neat. And just moving forward, you know, things are so in flux and so difficult to plan for. Uh, has your mindfulness, you know, practice increased or changed uh, to help you cope with, with changes? Yeah. Yeah. My my mindfulness practice has struggled a little bit more during COVID. I feel like I sometimes it's tough to get the motivation to do it, even though I have I almost have more free time now. I definitely do. It, it's It's a little bit harder. I mean, there's when you're, you know, not doing a whole lot all day, it's almost harder to quiet your your mind. But it hasn't. I'm still do, meditating every day. I do yoga or meditation. I usually do it before I go to bed, and it's it's definitely helped me a lot because there's so much uncertainty. Everything is almost out of our control at this point. There's only so much we can mm-hmm. control, and uh, that's hard for a lot of people, and especially people who love to plan and want things like set in a schedule or mm-hmm. routine it's almost impossible at this point. So to to have the skills to let go and just kind of let the world do its thing, let the universe work its magic and, and just kind of go with the flow. It, it's during during Corona, I think it's a really like necessary tool. And I think mindfulness helps a lot. Just uh, circling back, going, you know, it's been really incredible to hear your story and how you're able to bring something that's helped you so much to, I would say, to the masses, right? There's a lot of student athletes at Cal and a lot of people who mm-hmm. are in your network, I'm assuming, who who have been um, exposed to this. Um, so that's awesome. Yes. And what would you say is the greatest insight or the biggest lesson you've learned through this time? That's a good question. I would say that the biggest lesson I've learned is just how precious every moment is. And mindfulness teaches you that. I think COVID 
has taught me that I actually had COVID um, pretty bad for the first week of June. And I was very close to getting my parents infected. So I was, that was scary. And then, yeah, I think so. it, It definitely taught me how, yeah, how precious life is, how precious all these moments are, even if things aren't going your way, even if your season gets canceled, um, there's still so much to be grateful for. I'm never going to have this much free time for the rest of my <laughs> life, probably. So I'm trying to look at it that way. And I'm I'm really grateful for that. Oh, that's powerful words, really cool stuff. And yeah, just a lot of lessons that we can learn from these things that at times bring us really to like the worst possible place we could go to like rock bottom. But eventually, as we slowly rise up, it kind of comes into perspective and things get less muddled. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like you said, and you've been through it too, and so many people are going through it, through it. Anyone, you know, that's listening, just know that, yeah, it does get better. And it's a hard thing to hear. And it's really annoying to mm-hmm. hear sometimes, especially when you're, you're going through it. But yeah, there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I think that if you just keep trying to live as close to the moment as you can, it does make it easier and it's make it easier to see things more clearly. Yeah, definitely. And so um, I really appreciate you just being vulnerable and open um, during our conversation. And I know that for whoever, you know, listens to this, someone will connect with your story. You know, someone will will say like, wow, you know, he's been through it. Um, And so that's my goal, just to open up these conversations. Um, So I thank you for that. And just uh, a little bit of a, a fun fact. You are a massive Tom Brady fan, and I can see a poster behind uh, right there. Tell me about yeah. that and that devastating yeah. news. I'm sure that he was leaving the Patriots. <laughs> I think that's what made 2020 such a disaster. <laughs> that's kind of what set it yeah. off. That was devastating news. And that's been a, uh, he's been a, yeah, a staple of my life almost. I'm very, very big Patriots fan. My family's from Boston, yeah. so very big. And that was devastating news, but I wish him all the best. <laughs> And uh, life goes yeah, on. You think right? you'll be donning a Buccaneers jersey anytime soon? No, 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 <laughs> no, no red no. and black so for Patriots. you. <laughs> no, Tom Brady will always be a hero to yeah. me, but uh, no, I don't. I can't root for the Buccaneers. <laughs> you're you're uh, <laughs> number twelve on your team, right? Yeah, and that's because oh, that's of him. so awesome because yeah. you have roots back east. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned that. Yeah, so oh, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, my family's from back east, so Tom Brady's been my my sports idol hero all growing up so yeah it was a it's weird it's like i'm not a child anymore he's left he's, he's an old man i feel oh like my an old gosh, man too. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so what are you up to nowadays are you prepping for um for school obviously it's gonna be online and um, keeping up with your soccer workouts um what other things are you up to yeah i uh i've been yeah working out a lot i get to sleep in which is mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, I work out a lot. I work out with my my roommates here. They're all my teammates, so we we get to practice together, which is really nice. I've been. I think school starts in like two weeks. It'll be all mm-hmm. online, so I'm not really sure what that's gonna look like. I've been playing a lot of golf with my friends. That's actually very meditative mm-hmm. for me. It's quiet out there, and I just get to focus, and it's a nice little break. And yeah, I've just been trying to. I've been. We've been going to the park. Berkeley's beautiful. We've been going to the mountains. And just trying to savor all this this time I have with my friends. It's my senior year, like I guess for mm-hmm. all of us. So just trying to enjoy it as much as I can before uh, before school yeah. starts. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Uh, once again, Lucas, yeah. I just want to say big thank you. You are officially our second guest on the podcast, um, and so awesome. it's going to be a really great um, 
really great conversation for for people to listen to. Well, I was just going to say it was a it was a pleasure to be on, and thank you. This is great what you're doing, and uh, yeah. Anyways, I can support. I I love to. So thanks for having me. Um, would you like to plug any of your socials or where people can follow you online? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at lucas.church12. And you can also follow Calm, which is my meditation group, Cal Athlete Led Mindfulness, at uh, calm.ucberkeley. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at takecare.pod and at Twitter at takecare underscore pod. To support Take Care, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating and leave a review. Quick disclaimer, I'm not a mental health professional, just an advocate and individual with a passion for mental and emotional health. The information and topics discussed on this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. This podcast does not attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any mental or emotional condition or disease.